travel is very transformative. Number one, you get the opportunity to remove yourself and actually focus on yourself. A lot of us don't do that. We really don't. We, we tend to take care of other people. We tend to just run ourselves ragged. But when you live in abroad, you, because the pace is so much slower, especially if you live in a place like Thailand, there is no rushing off to anywhere. Welcome to The Thought Card, a podcast about travel and money, where planning, saving, and creativity leads to affording travel, building wealth, and paying off debt. We are the Financially Savvy Travelers. Hey everyone, today we have Francis with us from Chronicles Abroad. You have two seasons out right now with 65 episodes under your belt. So how did you and your co-host Nubia meet? It's a very interesting story because we're actually both from Boston, both living parallel lives. One of my best friends, she knew one of my best friends, but I never met her. I feel like I probably saw her at a party or something, but never met. She moves out to Virginia. I move out to Maryland. Still never meet, still not run the same circles. Then back in probably like 2013, I bumped into her at a mutual friend's house. We chat a little bit, but by then I was gone. I left uh, the States. And she had reached out to me because she was thinking of moving abroad. And then that's how the podcast was birthed. And where, like, what kind of synergy do you guys have? Like, when you guys started Chronicles Abroad, what was the idea behind it? How has it evolved over time? Yeah, great question. So me and her, we were both getting lots of questions from different people. And I was getting a lot of questions about teaching abroad. She was, she's an avid traveler. She's been to a lot of countries, probably about over 35 countries And so she was getting hit up too. And we realized there weren't many people that looked like us who were in our age bracket, being single moms, empty nesters that were out there doing it. So we decided to create the platform where we could actually provide the the answers to those questions and also, you know, just provide support, transparency and show people what it's like to actually live abroad, to travel and do all these things and just inspire people to live their best lives. And that's how it all came together. Yeah, guys, you guys should definitely tune into the show. You guys have such a unique show and you guys have such great guests and interesting perspectives. So thank you so much for what you guys are doing. <laughs> Appreciate it. And I love what you're doing. Thank you. Money is important. Can't <laughs> so do important. That without money. <laughs> very, very, very true. All right. So let's take it back a little bit now. So now you're living in Thailand, correct? Correct. And how did this come about? You know, I know listening to your podcast episodes that you didn't travel much before you decided to move abroad. So what made you decide to take this leap of faith and live abroad? Wow, it's very multi-layered because it wasn't something that happened all at once. Uh, I'm originally from Haiti and uh, I grew up in Boston. You know, I did everything. You know, I went to college, you know, I got my degrees and I never really traveled. I always say one day, one day this, one day that. And then right up around the time when my son was graduating college, I was faced with, oh, you know, what's next? You know, I had to really focus on myself and I never had to do that before. And I thought, okay, maybe I'll take some time and do a little travel. Uh, But as I started researching and looking around, I was like, you know, I want to travel, but I wanted to travel with a purpose. I didn't want to just, you know, lay on the beach, which is nothing wrong with that. But I really wanted to do something meaningful. And I thought, okay, teaching, I've done teaching in the past. Let me look into it. And as I started to dig a little bit deeper, a whole new world opened up, you know, these TEFL programs and teaching abroad and teaching all over the place. And 
at first I was actually going to teach in Mexico. My ex-partner at the time was like, why would you go to Mexico? That's like going to Miami in a sense, you know, no, not, no, nothing offensive towards Mexico, but it's literally right there. Right. The flights are really short. She's like, if you're going to do it, just literally go like halfway across the world. And I thought, okay. Hmm. So I had the option between Vietnam and Thailand and I chose Thailand because of just the stuff that I've seen on the internet, you know, the beaches and everything else. I thought, why not? I love Thai food. Didn't know much about the culture. Didn't do a lot of research, mainly because I didn't want to have any biases coming in. Kind of just wanted to go in without any preconceived notions. And I just bought a one-way ticket and was like, I'm out of here. So how much money did you save and how long did this process take from, you know what, I want to live abroad to actually buying a runway ticket and actually landing in Thailand? I saved a couple thousand dollars to do this because I the program that I did, I did my TEFL abroad and that cost about $1,500 to do that. And I had some money saved up uh, at the time. But then around that time, my father passed away and he did leave a little bit money behind So I was able to use some of that to uh, fund some travels and do a lot of different things. And so I was fortunate and unfortunate at the same time to be able to do that um, and be able to, you know, visit as many countries as I did and just travel and be okay comfortably for quite a while. So before you talked about traveling with purpose, can you dive a little bit more into what does that mean and how people who want to travel with purpose, how they can actually do that? Yeah, it's a great question. So my background is in social work. So I've always worked for like, you know, nonprofits or I've always been in the helping profession and and service. So I cannot not see my life uh, doing some some sort of service. And so for me, traveling with purpose meant doing meaningful work, whether it was teaching. I even looked at some volunteer programs. I even checked out the Peace Corps. So for those who do want to travel with purpose, there are lots of volunteer programs out there where you can get a stipend. Some of them are paid that you have to actually pay into. However, there are tons of programs like Workaways where you can actually go and work for a program and live rent-free, essentially. I know somebody who did that for an entire year who committed to not paying rent for an entire year and did things like Workaways. They also, you know, house sat and all these different things. It's kind of like finding out what you're really passionate about and how you'd like to be of service. And then pairing those two together and then creating a plan and just making it happen. I really love that. I love that. And that's something that I think that in the future I would like to pursue more of because I think it's hard when you're, you know, on the hamster wheel and you're constantly just going on vacation for a couple of days to kind of travel with purpose. But I definitely think that there's definitely more ways that even if you're a short trip traveler, that there's ways that you can infuse purpose into your travels for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's lots of things you can even do short term. Uh, even if it's just a couple weeks. Exactly. All right. So now that you told your family, hey, I'm going to be moving to Thailand, did anyone have any objections? Anyone have anything to say about your move? So here's the way that I operate. When I'm doing major life decisions, I usually don't tell anyone, Uh, mainly because people have a lot of fears and they project their fears onto you. And I didn't want that kind of energy. And I actually told my family like last minute, my cousins knew because we're very close, but, uh, you know, if you know the Haitian family, they're afraid. <laughs> Some of them are just so afraid of a lot of things, even just moving out of Boston to 
the Maryland area was a big freaking deal. So I knew if I told them in advance that I was moving halfway across the world, some don't even know what Thailand is. Some don't even speak English. So they're just like, what? What is going on? Uh, so I told them last minute and they didn't quite understand it. They didn't. They're like, you, you have family here. Why would you go halfway across the world? Like, what are you doing there? They, half the time, they don't know what I'm doing or why I'm doing it. Uh, so I didn't I didn't share my plans with a lot of people. In fact, Nubia always jokes around. She's like, you like stealth mode. I just saw you on Facebook. And I was like, she's living in Thailand. Like, when did that happen? So for me, it was a, I just kept it under wraps. I didn't share it with a lot of people. And, you know, I feel that is a good way to go, because I feel like if you're really passionate about something and you really want to do something and you know for a fact that your surrounding energy might not be 100 percent in vibe with what you're doing, it's OK to keep it to yourself, you know, until until you're ready to share. And we definitely talk about that in episode nine. Um, so if you guys are interested in like following your inner voice, you guys should definitely tune back into episode nine. Now, let's talk about internally. Did you have any limiting beliefs that held you back, if any? Did you decide, okay, I'm going to Thailand, I'm going to go right now? Or did you kind of spend some time kind of thinking about it, pondering? So tell us about that, that process for you. Yeah, so it wasn't that easy for me. I did have a lot of limiting beliefs. I didn't feel very confident that I could actually do this and do it by myself. And I even I actually sat on it even after I had my interview with the recruiter from the Tuple program and I was accepted and everything else. I sat on it and I sat on it. And it was when my father passed away and I was like, oh, well, damn, you know, life is really, really short. We know that. And it's when there's a, you know, when somebody passes away that it becomes a reminder for you. And I sat on this for maybe about two months before I actually pulled the trigger. So I think for me, the biggest thing was just fear of what the hell is this? Like, how am I going to live abroad? Yes, I'm going to teach, but what does that even really mean? I've never taught abroad before. Uh, how do I even get an apartment? Um, you know, I don't speak the language. So for me, I think it was a level of confidence. Uh, the way that I operate is that I tend to do things anyway, even if I am a little bit scared or even if I do lack a little, comp a little bit of a confidence, but uh, I think for me, it was just confidence and fear of not knowing what I was getting myself into. I didn't think that I could not do it. And it wasn't, and even if I didn't have enough money or whatever it was, I would have still done it. So it wasn't money for me. It was just time. And it was time for me to just do it. And I was just ready, not ready. Right. Oh, I love that. I was ready, not ready, but I did it anyway, right? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing and very, very inspiring. So you talked a little bit about your son graduating from college. Now, when you told him that you're moving abroad, what did he say? Like, how did he take that? You know, my son's a cool guy. You know, he's so used to my antics. And he's just like, oh, what are you getting into now? Kind of thing, you know? And he's, we moved around a lot. So he's kind of used to that notion. Oh, mom's doing this. Mom's doing that. And he didn't quite get it. He's like, Thailand, what? You know, and one of the things that I wish I did, even just in hindsight, I wish I traveled more with him uh, because he he actually loves it. He came out to Thailand and we hung out for a little bit and now he's caught the travel bug. But I wish I did that a long time ago. So he's all for it and he can't wait to, because we're actually when I go back home, we're going to do some traveling together for a little bit. And he was just really supportive. 
that's so important. Like the people who are closest to you, especially like, you know, mother, father, or, you know, if you're uh, a parent, your child being supportive of you, I think that that makes a difference. Is that true? What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I think it does because, you know, there are folks that I know who maybe their kids don't support them as much or their friends kind of fade out and family members aren't really there. And they're out here, you know, just trying to figure it out. So it is helpful if you have people in your lives that are making these big transitions that you just back them up and you support them, even if you don't understand. And, you know, it's not for you to understand. It's just you just need to support them. And I think it's very helpful to have that if you do. But if you don't, you know, you will find that support even abroad is a huge expat community. If you do decide to move abroad or even just travel, we're out there and we're everywhere. Do you see other women in your, around your age group traveling abroad or moving abroad? Like, what is that like for you? That's a great question. I actually haven't. So when I first moved abroad, I moved abroad, not by myself uh, for the first few months. And that experience, even just being in the teacher ESL realm, you will find Like, I'll never forget my temple training. I felt so out of place. So I had to deal with this whole, oh, my God, I'm so old. And, oh, my God, they're so young thing. And just feeling really awkward because there weren't people my age or anyone that looked like me being of color and all those other things. So even when I lived in Japan, there was all these young kids around me. But when I got to Chiang Mai, Thailand, there are people around my age. So I think it's looking out and trying to find those communities because they are there. But in the beginning, I just wasn't sure about it. I didn't even know that I could actually go on Facebook and find, you know, black people living abroad. I didn't even know that was a thing when I first moved out uh, uh, overseas. So in the beginning, I did not find a lot of people my age. And even now, people trickle in and they're usually way younger than us or sometimes they're way older you know, in their 60s and they're doing their thing. So I don't see it as often, but I've seen it more now living in Chiang Mai than I have in the last uh, almost three years of being abroad. Right. That's I think that's very, very interesting. And like we talked about before, even if you don't see other people who look like you or you feel uncomfortable and awkward, there are tons of networking opportunities, you know, Facebook groups. And um, I'm sure as an expat, do you guys have like expat communities? How does that work? Yeah, there are tons of expat communities. And they're all different, you know, races, all different backgrounds from all over the world. You know, that's one thing that I found moving abroad versus when I was living in America was that my circle changed a lot. You know, be living in America, you know, I didn't have, I'll be honest, that many Caucasian friends. But when I moved abroad, when you're an expat, we're all in it together. (laughs) You know, we're all going through the growing pains together loneliness together, trying to navigate the language together. So we all just connect on just being expats. And I love that idea. So there are communities out there. Facebook has been the go-to for if you're looking for an expat community, you'll find one on Facebook, no matter what it means. It could be educators, as you know, black educators abroad. There's just Chiang Mai people abroad. There's, when I was in Japan, there was tons of Uh, groups from Japan abroad. So they're everywhere. You will not be lonely. 
So with that being said, what is it like being Black in Asia? And I ask that question because, you know, a lot of times on media, we see that there's a lot of people who are taking photos of Black people or they're pretty much getting harassed or a lot of touching of the hair. So can you tell us about your personal Black experience in Asia? And if you know of anyone else, maybe you can share some stories. Yeah, for sure. So, oh man, it's different everywhere you go. So for me, being a black person with locks and walking around Asia, of course, I stick out like a sore thumb. Most of the time, I have people who will go out of their way to touch my hair without permission. And in the beginning, it was very uncomfortable and just very like, uh, you know, I didn't like it much. But I've grown over time to say, you know, this is where an opportunity for me to where I can educate people and just be that face for them because they don't know. All they see is what white America has depicted in the media. So I try to have a positive exchange either way. You do have people that take photos. It's almost like celebrity status. I Even in India, when we we're walking through the Taj Mahal, now the Taj Mahal is like literally a five minute tour. You go in, you come out. But us trying to get out of the Taj Mahal, it took us 45 minutes because, can I get a selfie? Can I get a selfie? It was to the point where I was like, Am I LeBron James? I didn't know. Like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, I, I didn't, is this how he feels? Seriously, every five seconds, someone wants to take a picture and a selfie. Uh, so that's the positive side. And then there are times where I've heard stories, and this was when I was in Japan, and there were, you know, there's a group called Black in Japan. And there are some racial tensions. You know, when I was in Japan, I saw my first blackface poster. I was just out there going to do some karaoke with some friends. And it was a big, gigantic blackface poster. So you do have those things where, you know, Asia is known for bleaching their skin and, you know, looking down on people who have uh, darker skin only because they see that as the workers who work in the field and the sun. So they equate that with that perception. So you get a mixed bag. But overall, my Black and Abroad experience in Asia has been pretty positive. Yes, people will touch your skin sometimes, but they'll just say how beautiful you are or they'll touch my hair and say, wow, it's beautiful or whatever. You can see them smiling and all those other things. So it's not, uh, for me, a completely negative experience. It really kind of depends on where you go if you're in a more rural place or a more city place. For example, when we were in Vietnam, in Ho Chi Minh City, they're accustomed to seeing expats. So it wasn't that big a deal. But when we traveled north to Hanoi, it was like, whoa, you know, we felt the stairs. We felt all of that. When we're in India, even though India has tons of dark skinned, beautiful dark skinned people, they stared at us like we were aliens from another planet. And that was probably the most intense stares I've ever received in my entire life. So it's a mixed bag. Thank you, Francis, for sharing that, because like this was just real talk right now, because I think, you know, even if you're traveling like on a short term basis, you might not experience these things or if, let's say you travel to different parts of the world. So I know a lot of people have preconceptions or they're frightened about the possible um, possibility of having a negative experience in Asia. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Well, here's what I always tell people. If you grew up in America, you'll be fine. Because for me, America, I know my experience just living in Boston, Boston is a very racially charged uh, area. So if you made it and you're still alive, 
you'll be fine, perfectly fine in Asia. Now, <laughs> on the topic of hair, I love, I love, love, love your locks. So how, Thank do you, you. <laughs> how do you keep up with your dreads when you're abroad? So when I first moved abroad in 2013, I was like, what am I going to do? <laughs> like, my hair was puffy as hell. You know, I had roots growing and I was just like, man, and I didn't do my hair because what I do, I don't um, palm roll it. I actually uh, crochet it. So it's sister locks. I didn't do my hair in the first few months. So my contract the first time was like probably four and a half months. When I got back to the D.C. area, I went straight to see my hairdresser and she hooked me up. Now I had to actually teach myself how to self crochet my hair. So I just do it myself now. Mm, okay. Okay. That's very interesting. But do you see any like hair salons out there that cater to natural hair just by any chance? No. However, I know that there are certain places, I want to say if it's in Bangkok, because there are a lot of, uh, actually here in Chiang Mai, there are a few people who braid or where you can actually find some shea butter or something like that, put it out there into the groups and say, hey, who does locks? Who can braid my hair? And you'll be fine. You'll find somebody. As long as you're not in like some rural area. But if you're near a major city, you should be okay. Which is why finding your community when you're abroad is really, really important. Absolutely. All right. So take us on an adventure. What is the average day look like for you? So, okay. So being a teacher in Thailand, I'll be honest, it depends on what school you teach at, but you know, I don't teach a lot of hours. So it gives me a lot of time to work on my passion projects, which is nice just because Thailand is just a very relaxed pace. So Monday through Friday, I'm at school. I work for a private academy but I do have lots of breaks and I work with older students. Uh, and so it's just a little bit different than working with younger students. And, but I also do private tutoring and which is all online and I also teach online. So I pretty much, I do work every day, but it doesn't feel like it's the weirdest feeling. It doesn't, I don't feel burned out. I don't feel overworked. I kind of work when I want to outside of school hours. Uh, so a typical day for me is just going to school, come home. I may have one or two classes and maybe three or four classes in the evening. And that's pretty much it. But most of the time, my time is taken up by the podcast, honestly, uh, Chronicles Abroad podcast. And then other times, sometimes I'll go out, but I'm not, I'm a big homebody, so I don't really do that that much. But most of the time I'm just working and planning and writing and creating. But I love that you're saying that although you're doing a lot of different things and you are um, having a lot of different income streams, it doesn't feel like work. You can set your own hours. So I like I really like that flexibility. So with that being said, like when you were first planning on moving to Thailand, you had a vision of what you would be doing for work. How has that changed over time, if it has at all? That's a great question. So I'm actually I'm thinking about this right now because my time in Thailand is coming up. I have the option of where I can, you know, continue teaching because I do have a goal where I want to be completely debt free and pay off all my student loans because that is absolutely 100% possible while you live abroad. So I'm grappling with that, but also I really want to set myself up remotely as well because I just don't like working behind four walls all the time. I had a plan that I was just going to teach and just travel for a little bit, and I might still do that. I'm not even sure, but I'm also working on some other side passion projects. Like I'm in the middle of, of finishing off writing a book about how to teach abroad. And I'm also working on uh, developing my life coaching business because my background is in social work and counseling. So I'd like to reconnect with that. 
So I've got a couple of ideas and different things that I'm working on. But right now, I think my main focus is getting rid of that debt. Interesting. Do you feel like a lot of people who do travel abroad still have student loans? And how how are you managing that? Do you get paid in Thai or do you get paid in U.S. dollars? So the school that I work at, I get paid in Thai bot. I only think in Thai bot because U.S. dollars doesn't apply to me as much. However, the private tutoring that I do and the online teaching that I do is all in U.S. dollars. So that kind of just I don't touch that. that. That just goes straight to my U.S. account. I just focus on the Thai bot. So that allows me to pay off my student loans and continue doing that. Now, a lot of people, you know, we get this a lot on the podcast as well. Oh, I have student loan debt. I can't do this. And absolutely not true. We've met tons of people who have moved abroad, paid off $50,000, $70,000 in debt by just teaching abroad or doing things online abroad, whatever your skill set is. So I am able to pay off, you know, I can pay my payments every month. And without a problem, uh, you know, you just got to be strategic about it. I'm also not like a big drinker. I don't go out much. I'm older. You know, if you're 21, you're out there partying, drinking. So it's a different feel uh, depending on where you are in that stage of your life. Uh, but I've been able to do it. You know, different countries will pay you different salaries. So you got to just figure out what's important for you. Right. And what are your goals? Like, what are your goals? Like after you finish paying off your student loan debt, what will you do with all this extra income? Oh, my God. I can see clearly now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, man, that's a great freaking question. I have no idea. See, the one thing about when you get so accustomed to living abroad, you if you talk to any expert, they're like, well, what do you do next? I don't know. We really tend to live in the moment, not because we're, we don't have plans or goals, but it's like the present moment to me is kind of what I usually focus on over the next couple months, that sort of thing. But if anything, I'd probably just focus on really just, you know, expanding Chronicles Abroad and really just helping people, you know, live their best lives, you know, just as a life coach and, and really focusing on that. I love also that you talk about that you really are focused on the present because I feel like a lot of us, we're just focused on like the future. We're so goal oriented, which is not it's not a bad thing, but it's just nice to just be like, OK, after this, I can just sit for a second and just be content, you know, so I, I definitely understand that. All right. Now, I know that you talk a lot about wellness and the intersection with travel on Chronicles Abroad. So how would you describe travel as an investment in yourself? Oh, man, it's if I could just scream it on the rooftops every day, all day, I would, because it's such a huge thing. And I've seen it for myself, how much I've changed as an individual person. I see it in other people. And I've seen all the growth that people have made just by being able to remove themselves from their current toxic environment. And it may not be toxic because some people, they're like, I love my job and I like my life in the States, but I still want to see what this whole abroad thing is about. So it's not necessarily that it's coming from like a negative angle, but I do believe travel is very transformative. Number one, you get the opportunity to remove yourself and actually focus on yourself. A lot of us don't do that. We really don't. We we tend to take care of other people. We tend to just run ourselves ragged. But when you live in abroad, you because the pace is so much slower, especially if you live in a place like Thailand, there is no rushing off to anywhere. You're not rushing off to anywhere. Half the time, businesses aren't even open at the time they say they're going to be open. So what are you going to do? You're going to 
get frustrated? No, it really teaches you how to just let go and allow things to happen and not to be so much in control of things all the time. So traveling abroad and living abroad allows you to strip yourself so that you can really focus on the things that you were, quote unquote, too busy to focus on, you know, because you were working or dealing with relationships back to back. Now there's nothing, there's no distractions. You really have to sit with yourself and really find out what really matters to you. And on top of that, health-wise, you know, I've lost a lot of weight. Being abroad, Nubia has lost like 30 pounds without even working out. That's because amazing. Because the diet is different. Yeah, wow. the diet is completely different. So you're not eating processed foods all the time. If you eat like a local, you are going to live very healthily. Not to say like Thai food, they do have some foods that aren't so healthy, but their diets are just rich and, you know, in different things that the state diet is not. So automatically, just by that byproduct, you are going to, your skin's going to be growing, your hair is going to be looking good, and you are going to lose a little bit of weight. You're walking more because I don't have a car. This is the most I've ever walked in my entire life. So not only you have the spiritual, you have the physical, because you tend to meet a lot of people who are on similar paths looking for that, you know, spiritual change. So you have the opportunity. Self-care is so much more affordable. I always tell people here, I can go get a three-hour massage for like $40. I couldn't do that in the States. You know what I'm saying? I can go and take care of myself here for way less money and feel a lot better on on a holistic level. Yeah, it sounds like a self-centering experience, which which is kind of like, especially if you're not used to that, it could be jarring. It could be frightening, Mm -hmm. like so much time with myself. Like, what does that look like? But definitely, like if it's something that you're interested in, what would you tell someone who's like, I'm thinking about traveling abroad? I'd say, listen, you got to do it. You got to at least try. I always tell people, you don't have to like leave everything behind if you want to just do 30 days or even do a couple of weeks, just do 30 days and then come back and then reassess. Is it for you? You know, but just try it out and see how it feels to do that, to just be away from it all. And like you said, I will say it is scary because even just being abroad, because some of the things that a lot of expats struggle with is loneliness. And so that is something that you do have to go through. Well, I would say grow through. Uh, so it's not all peaches and cream. It, it's like you said, you, all these feelings are coming and you don't know what to do with it, uh, but you find a way to deal with it. And that's the best part. Whereas in the States, you just use things to kind of maybe cover it up or whatever. But I say, if you're really interested in doing it, just try it out and see if it is for you. I love that. I love that. Now, these are the final two questions. So since I'm also Haitian as well, I needed to know. <laughs> I needed to know, where do you get Haitian food in Thailand? Girl. Non-existent? Struggling. Oh, <laughs> struggling. You have no idea. I actually just made, because I was so craving, I went and found some beans, and I made some sauce bois, which is uh, red bean sauce, and I made some dumplings, and I had some rice, and I had some scallions. That was my Haitian food. There is no Haitian food. I'm super homesick about it. Actually, my cousins actually sent me a care package that should be here in the next week or so with some Haitian products, because... I'm dying. Well, Francis, this was so much fun. Tell us about any upcoming projects that you'd like to share. You talked a little bit about about a book, more on Chronicles Abroad. What are you up to these days? We actually have our first retreat. That's in about two weeks. So we're doing that. And we're also working with some projects that we're going to launch and, 
you know, just follow us on Instagram, you know, sign up for the newsletter, that good stuff, because we do have a lot of good things coming up. And where can we follow you? Chronicles underscore abroad on Instagram, Chronicles abroad on Facebook. Follow my personal Instagram. It's just my first and last name, Francis Lee. Francis is spelled a little funky. So I'm sure I'll be in the show notes. Well, thank you so much, Francis, for coming. And I know I will see you guys really soon. Thank you, Danielle, for having me. This has been fun.